When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tint. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. Again, I've got uh, Tenant's creative director, all-around aquarist and cool guy, Johnny Ciotti. I say hi, John. Hey, John. So, hey, John. <laughs> I knew you were going to – I knew I walked into that one. I always do. Um, today, uh, as usual, when Johnny and I get together, we talk about a gajillion things like most fish people. Um, but today we thought we'd touch on a, another subject that's kind of interesting to me. We've talked about it here before and John's equally fascinated by it. It's, um, I guess I can call it the, the, the sort of alternative, um, aesthetics. Is that a good term for what we're talking about here or, or more different interpretations of things that we've done before? I guess that's a better way to say it. What am I getting at here? Um, what were you just saying about, like, for example, we're talking about embuna or African cichlids. Oh and... man, I, I say a lot of things. Ah, um, here we go. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, I believe that it, um, you know, kind of riffing off, uh, you know, previous episode. Uh, it, it may be time to start also looking at um, or embracing the idea of some of these natural environments, but also realizing that not every blackwater aquarium is a blackwater aquarium. And what I mean by that is botanical style aquariums. Uh, they're not all dark. Mm-mm. They're not all leaf litter. They're not all twigs and branches. Um, we have different environments and something like, you know, we're talking about, you know, Malawian cichlids or right. uh, little shellies or Tanganyikans or something along those lines. Right. Really embracing those biofilms and really embracing the the more authentic look of those environments um, or like say Tapajos, like we've right. we've pulled we that played in. with that. You know, you've got clear water with botanicals or right. slightly green exactly. water, a little bit turbid. So it's not clear, clears in the sense. It's like maybe we just need to start using different words to explain what these things Ooh. are. Okay. Um, and that will help us uh, create something that's not only more enjoyable, but it's also slightly more authentic and also would be something that is more accepted. That's a, that's a great point. See, you you, brought, you said something that's interesting. You said more words because what that implies to me or different words to describe it because, again, it's going back to the thing we talked about in a previous episode about detritus. Like it, it's always been the bad guy. Just like, you know, tinted water has always been associated with dirty. Sure. Uh, biofilms have been associated with dirty. Decomposing stuff is dirty. Algae is dirty. Uh, water has to be crystal clear, no turbidity, or it's dirty. I think... I think it's a way of looking at things. Um, when you talked about Tapajos, for example, yeah, it's greenish type water. It has botanicals. It's clear, but it's kind of greenish. And, and there's there's a haze to it. There's silt. Uh, there's there's sediment. The fines, there's yeah. a little bit of a turbidity to it. There's so talking about particulate in the water and turbidity. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about uh, you know tints and shades and um, talking about tonality. Um, talking about the overall quality to a water rather than just saying, oh, clear. Well, is clear void of color or does it mean that there's there's a, Somehow healthier a, a, deeper, than... a deeper true clarity to it, like uh, there's, there's less sediment in the water? Um, well, that's also part of the environment. You know, if it's, if it's turbid, it's likely that um, 
you know, it, it, it could be, it could be quick flowing water. It could be slow flowing water. Right. It just depends and on what what's causes, causing it. What causes it? It could be, it could be sand. It could be fine debris. It could be decomposing right. stuff. It could be bacterial blooms. It could be Bingo. anything. Yeah. And so those are all part of the experience. And I think not only embracing that those things change in the aquarium environment, um, as things shift, uh, that's part of the ephemeral. That's part of the appreciation of the process, but it's also, Fully embracing that that that's part of the aesthetic, or maybe even part of the intention and goal. Which, yeah, you know, is, yeah, is, which is our uh, kind of our intention and goal is to do that. Like uh, one of the things I play with a lot, I'm interested in, and, and we've talked about it before, are substrates, like alternative yeah. substrates. To the typical substrate is sand, which we have a lot of neat varieties of it, and gravels and so forth. I'm more interested in the soils, like real soil, like dirt, silt, clays, mud, bits of twigs, leaves, all that stuff mixed in, because I feel that that's not only aesthetically different than what we're doing and it impacts the water as well but it also impacts the biosha in the tank and um it also impacts the function of the tank provide supplemental food source perhaps even denitrification um things that we've never done so it's taking stuff that maybe have looked weird but going well wait a second there's benefits to it and i find that fascinating right now i think that's something that we've been able to experiment with as never before yeah now i mean now is a is a better time than ever to be able to uh, explore new, and I don't want to call it necessarily alternative. I want to maybe yeah, it's probably call overused. It, like, tr- well, it sounds like maybe um, it's not an alternative. It, yeah, it's yeah, like it's, it's a different it's, choice. It's not like an alternative no. fact. It's, uh, you know, it, it's um, it, it's a it's a truer um, choice is really what it is. You know, some of the things that we have that weren't previously available. Um, you know, this is this is going back to previous conversations about. Um, you know, this sort of a, a, a golden age to things. Right. We have access to exploration. Yes. You know, we, we have access to, to do things that we couldn't do before. Um, you know, the substrate and those environments and, and mixing those, those elements into it um, and, and taking a look at, you know, these, these real places. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. You talk about substrate. You talk about elements in these real places. And I was thinking one, something that you've been talking a lot about is, um, the, and we've been talking about too, is is the terrestrial elements in aquatic environments. I find where land and water meet to be one of the most fascinating places, whether it's, whether you interpret that as a vivarium, a paludarium, an aquarium, simulating the, like the root structures that come into the water, the interplay between the shore and the, the, the aquatic environment. I think there's so much in so many niches to model that really have not quite yet been touched on. Um, maybe some biotype people have been doing it, but I think there's so much more out there. I mean, you've been lately, you've been doing some kind of crazy interpretations of that. What's been your inspiration? You know, I, I think, uh, you know, and this again is going to get slightly esoteric. Um, and I apologize for the that's what we do. Yeah. Tangential, um, sort of issues here, but, uh, the, the, the element that I try to incorporate anytime I'm doing a layout or anytime I'm looking at someone else's layout is to understand the story. And so this is something that's often talked about in uh, in design. We talk about this in advertising. We talk about this in brand building. We talk about this in interior, exterior, or landscape architecture. We talk about it in so many different things is, is story and building story into something. And what I love about the world and when you take a slice of it and put it in your living room or put it in your office is there's a reason. And so there's terrestrial elements that fall into the water right. and then they roll downstream and then they collect under a branch. And right. what is the story 
Behind how that leaf got there or Behind how that pod that. ended up there or the rock. Yeah. And what, why are the fish there? What What is going on here? So it's not just, oh, cool, I'm going to take, you know, this little ecosystem that the these microgeophagus, you know, habitate. And, and like, what what is that? And, and, and they live in. And why? Well, but it's why. It's yeah. like, what's going on? What's going on in the, 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 the sky above them? You know, what's, right. what's happening here? What does the lighting look like? What, what does the substrate look like? Why is the substrate looking like that? What does the water flow look like? Is there direction to it? Is there, is there a, something more to just what we're doing? Um, and I think that allows us to explore. It's like, you know, set up a, a wet aquarium, you know, set up a, a dry aquarium, right. set up, a, you know, something in between, you know, right. Uh, play with these different the paludarium the terrarium temporal pools try to yep. model those weird envi- ephemeral environments that we're not used to doing like a weed choked puddle for that right. matter you know interesting interpretations because you say like you said why is this happening what what brought the fishes here right I, and, and and play with things from um you know uh not only a different perspective but but utilizing tools differently uh don't feel like you have to have a filter on every aquarium yeah, you know, Good point. maybe maybe try it without. Uh, don't feel like you have to fill uh, the water line to you know three quarters of an inch of below the rim. Right, you, you could put three quarters of an inch of water. Period inside your aquarium. <laughs> right, um, right. You know, don't feel like you have to do these things that have always been done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's the time is is now, and, and you can you can embrace all of these different elements. But always remember what is the story, what is what is behind what you're doing. Um, you know, and feel, feel comfortable with doing that. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the beauty. And that's, that's one of the things I love. I mean, it sounded a little bit of a business plug here, but it's one of the things I like about Tannin is that we give you the ability to tell your story. You know, you're able to yeah. tell your story. We, we supply you with the pen to write your story. Yeah. It's your story. We just give you the, the, the paper and the pen to do it with. And, and I, I love that you can do so many different things. And that's the beauty of nature. Like Johnny and I could look at a rock. And I've seen this because I actually, we were in an aquascaping contest together years and years ago, the saltwater one where he kicked my ass. But it was funny. I was looking at the same live rocks that Johnny was looking at, or they were Marco rock or something. And I still have a picture of John just studying this rock. And I'm just like typical clumsy guy, put the rock in the tank. And John's like staring at this one rock for like five minutes. You put like 10 rocks in your tank, you were done. And I'm like going, and I'm like, People, two people can look at the same thing differently. It speaks to you differently, and that's so important. And it's and it's totally fine. I think I think a, a little bit of a segue from there is not only can we look at things differently, and we can establish a narrative that's slightly different for every single aquarium. I mean, you, you can never run out of stories to tell. Exactly. I mean, that's the beauty of literature. That's the beauty of so many different things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why we can have a million brands that sell paper towels. Right. Not that there's a deep, deep story behind paper towels, but <laughs> um, that the idea is, room is, for is, it, is right? the same. There's room for it, and yeah. you can be as creative as you want. But I think also uh, the, you know, in, in kind of to riff on what you were saying, you know, we supply the pen, we supply the paper, but I think framing is a huge aspect behind this. Um, you know, Explain t- that, Johnny. T- taking something that's that's dirty, that's that's different, that's uh, you know, it's got turbid water, it's it's got something um, going on that's untraditional mm-hmm. uh, as far as what people experience. You can elevate that by using you know beautifully constructed and crafted high clarity glass, forty five degree mitered edges. Um, you know. The, the super clear minimal silicone mm-hmm. you can use the beautiful led lighting and a proper stand and all of those elements you know you can do an all-in-one with the black back or you can do 
you know, clear back or frosted back with the, the glass overflow or glass pipes or, right. you know, you can really elevate uh, not only the experience, but the presentation overall, because not only are we creating environments with story in it for your inhabitants, but you're creating an, an environment around that in which you enjoy what's going on there. So it's a, it's yeah. a little bit of a, you know, inception, you know, we're backing out and backing out. Right. So, um, this thing does live in a space. It, right. It's, it's not, it's not a vacuum. Right. Um, and so it lives within a space and another space. And I think some priority, especially in this part of, of aquarium keeping, maybe we need to start looking at those things again. Uh, you know, how the aquarium fits in your overall right. room, your overall, uh, room aesthetic. Or yeah. Room and then in, in elevating yeah. that and giving its own space to breathe. I mean, Good God, point. we, we spend so much money and time, uh, dedicating a slot in our home to a TV. Right. You know, it's like, well, can, can we not, um, clutter the space for the aquarium? Yeah. Can we not give it, you know, its own its space own. to breathe? Um, you know, and I, I think really thinking about that differently will also, um, you know, elevate the perspective and, and the perception of how we really feel about these types of aquariums. It's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Just because something looks non-traditional inside doesn't mean the outside has to look non-traditional. Right. You know, yeah. Brown water in a beautiful vessel is a totally different ballgame than brown water in a sloppy lab kind of looking experiment. It's a different vibe. It gives off a different a different feel. Well, if it's different... important, you should treat it like it's important. Yeah. You should display it like it's important. Um, you know, you've got your daily driver and you've got your weekend car. Right. Um, no, I get it. But it's, it's not always a lab experiment. Right. And not everybody can do it. I mean, some people have 50 tank fish rooms and they, they don't, sure. they don't enjoy it. They just want it to look okay. And they have racks of tanks and I get it. But for those of us that have to maintain display tanks in the home or whatever, you're right. I mean, you might as well integrate it into the overall environment. And that's something we're seeing more and more of too. I, and I, I highly suggest, you know, I, I've had the, the 200 tank fish room, mm-hmm. um, Still, take the time to set up a display. Take the time to really focus on something that you cherish and you love because you might inspire somebody else. Exactly. And you might be changing their perception of what could be or what's allowed to be just by putting it on a plate. Yeah. It's... No, that's true. We've seen that with reef aquariums that are installed in restaurants and offices. I mean, that always brings new people to the conversation. Sure. I mean, for years, you'd see people standing you know, in a, in a waiting area in the restaurant, and they're asking about this fish or that fish, and that people are discussing it. And then they realize that's coral. Oh, that's from a coral reef. Aren't the reefs in danger? You know, it provokes a larger conversation. And seeing the same thing with what we do. Oh, what's that? It's simulating a, an area of Amazonia. Oh, what's, what's going on down there? Isn't that where the rainforest is burning? Yeah, and that's and it what... It comes back to story story so you know maybe uh and where it fits in our world yeah maybe somebody's gonna have uh you know black and burned uh, tree limbs or something in their their Mm -hmm. next display um you know there's a freebie uh but (laughs) but narrative and dialogue um you know they're synonymous what do you think let's just cut it to the chase a little little more directly what do you think uh a very cool if somebody was saying okay i'd like that idea i just can't think of anything on my own you had to give somebody an idea of a, of a either an interpretation of an environment to try, or an, or a specifically a, 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 an environmental niche to try. What would you what would you say would be a really cool thing that that's you think is totally underrepresented and deserves more attention? You know, that's a good question. Um, that's a tricky one to answer because I I feel like oftentimes people look for something that's super different just to do it because it's different. Right when. 
maybe you want to look at something that's been done a hundred thousand times and just do your own sort of take on it and then understand it from that perspective. So, nice. you know, I, I know people are like looking for alternatives to, oh, I've done the South American blackwater tank. Right. Sure. A thousand people have done it. Okay, great. But have you done it? So, right. yeah, I don't, I don't know if you need to always find something new. I'm thinking even though like even something old, like, uh, like wild guppies okay. in an aquarium simulating their wild habitat. I think that's fascinating. I mean, I mean if, kept you, for if, you're, if you're drawn to something, pick it. Right. And I, and I think in terms of habitats, I throw out a few that like, like I think are just ripe for more understanding. We've talked about brackish many times. The, sure. it, the, interpreta- the aquarium hobby interpretation of brackish was white sand, some rocks, and maybe some coral rock, and a few gray fishes. It, it, that environment, when you dive below just the aquarium narrative... It's so different, and it's so much mm-hmm. like what we do here. It's muddy, it's dirty, it's turbid, it's dark, it's lush. There's so much more life to it. Um, and, and these temporal pools, I don't know why I'm fascinated by those right now. I guess this like, whole agapo thing that I've been playing with where you drain and lower the water. But temporal pools, like in Africa and so forth, they're really interesting environments. And you get more than just African killifishes in there. You get cichlids, some kerosens, catfishes, because yeah. they're connected to larger bodies of water, and then they dry right. up. So you could play with those types of things not necessarily being a biotope accurate in every detail sure. but just playing with the concept of here's a body of water where the water is slowly going down over a period of months what changes take place what is the interpretation i'm interested in how does the bottom look what is the plant life like you know love well, that stuff. And I, I think i think honing in on on certain elements that you find inspirational mm-hmm. and and working from those and so oftentimes you know, yeah, we should think about things holistically as right. a, for a story, uh, for the narrative. But at the same time, there's there's always like the crux to any problem, and there's like the pinnacle to any of these situations. And so, um, I think looking at the thing that fascinates you the most, like, is it the idea of the margin? Uh, mm-hmm. Is it is it really the section between where water starts and ends? Is that the thing that inspires you? Is it the actual leaf itself? Like there was a while there, I was like, I just love these jackfruit leaves. Right, I, I remember just, that. Yeah. I'm like, I just love them. So I want to do an area or an environment that just is about their story. Or is it this type of wood? Or is it this one fish? Or is it the right. idea of environments mixing one habitat to another, mm-hmm. um, which you can go up or down or left or right? That's true. You know, so. You can go in, in up or down can start from the very bottom to the very top. It, it, you know, it's not always at water line. We, we think of things from our own perspective and I think challenging yourself on perspective, it's like, are we starting in the tree shops and working from just above the treetops to just below the treetops? Mm-hmm. Or are we working on a, a larger macro scale? So again, honing in on the thing that you find inspirational. Is it the single L134? Is right. it the single pod? Is it that single two inches of water? What is it that yeah. really inspires you? And I'd say go after that and then model the environment around great, it. Great piece of advice. I think that, that that has guided, at least me personally, almost everything I've done lately. It's not, like you said, it's not so much that you're trying to do an idea for the sake of doing it. It's something that talks to you. Yeah. And, and, and granted, I may have a different aesthetic than you or someone else, but... It, it kind of makes your heart sing when you're doing something that just like to me that the, the land and water interface is fascinating as a kid you know when i used to walk along the edge of creeks and streams and that was fascinating it's like i want to get down there 
So I was sure. always, it was always to me, it represented this like magic gateway to another world. Kind of sounds cliche, but that's kind of what it was. It's like the first steps you take into the water. So I'm fascinated by the life that exists there. Um, but other people, it might be the interpretation of like, like you said, just that area just below the water line, down six inches. Right. What what's there? A, a, a forest of Nutella. Uh, weeds, something floating, debris, you know, why not simulate something seasonal? Like there must be some place in the Amazon right. where there's a big floating palm frond and there's tons of fishes that aggregate under it, much like they do right. in the Sargasso Sea with the Sargasso. Well, that's all part of the, ephemeral, the inspiration, mm-hmm. the embracing the ephemeral, uh, the, you know, inspired by nature, you know, yeah, yeah theoretically that could be a thing. Do we do we have a picture of it? Do we know? I, I'm not sure. Uh, we could probably you know, look we'll for probably a, look for you one. Probably look for one. Maybe accidentally it won't be classified as floating leaf in the Amazon. It might be just a picture of the Amazon. You see, hey, there's a leaf there and there's 20 fish under it. Right. What is that about? How did that happen? You know, tells the story. Um, the other thing that I think goes hand in hand with this is um, we talk about the ephemeral things a lot, but that that plays into what about the evolving tank? Like in other words, you may start mm. out as a a tank with lots of plants or whatever. And gradually the plants start fading away or whatever. And then a new set of things comes into play. You know, maybe twigs falling, yeah. leaves falling. You could evolve the same tank. And that's what I love about the agapo type tank. It right. starts out dry, goes wet, goes dry again. But the same thing I'm playing with with like twigs and leaf litter only tanks. Those those uh, amounts change during the year because it's, yep. you know, they wash away, they decompose. Different elements fall into the water. Like I love the idea of a continuous aquarium environment. That changes every. So I, I often. love that the the thing actually I've been doing lately, um, and yeah, I probably should document this a little bit better because I probably I, should. I don't. So I, I'm letting you all know that this is what <laughs> I've been doing is, um, you know, I, I boil some leaves, um, and uh, they're they're good to go for the most part, um, and I will throw a few in every couple of days, mm-hmm. and and the environment is is changing. Um, so you're getting an accumulation of leaves as other leaves are breaking down. Sometimes I'll go a week, but sometimes I'll throw in five. Sometimes I'll just throw in one a day. I'll feed and throw in a leaf. And and sometimes they float around on the water surface because they've started dried out at that right. point and then they sink. And I think these are things that I enjoy. And I'm trying to spend more time and allow myself to ruminate Yeah, and, and just appreciate the things that are there. While they're there, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, also, you're mimicking what happens in nature when you think about it. I mean, leaves are constantly falling into the water. They're constantly floating downstream. Things are getting redistributed by currents. I mean, almost everything we do in the aquarium has some natural analogy. Uh, Water changes are like, uh, you know, rainstorms and so forth. I mean, so there's all these things that we can interpret. So if you want to do something natural, almost anything we do has a natural analog. But enjoying the different stages of it i think that's fascinating Um, well and that's the beautiful thing so i think a lot of people think things are too permanent like mm -hmm. you know put in a couple of leaves put in one or two every day until you have a giant pile of leaves and then when you do a water change just scoop some out and throw them back in yeah and i think maybe because the traditional aquascape started out with put some rocks here put a piece of wood here put some plants here you're done there's like a finish line sort of like that's right. your aquascape. And then all you're doing is just trimming to maintain. Whereas we're saying the tank's going to do its own evolutionary course. We're just sort of facilitating it or watching it or helping it or maybe interfering with it. But we're letting that happen. It's not, it's not finished. It doesn't finish. It dictate it's, it runs dictated well, by nature it, or our own actions. A hardscape. And then there's a softscape. You, right. know, you, you do this in landscape architecture. You'll oftentimes set your hardscape into place and then you'll shrub it up. And, right. and then, you know, you trim and things grow and they do their thing. But we don't talk about that that stuff that occupies the space between these. 
Yeah. It's like, well, you know, what what is what is botanicals? It, you know, is it is it is it software? Is it firmware? Is it hardware? Right. What what, it, what is right. it? Right. Um, you know, it's it's something that I think it's kind of the glue. It's the patina also. Mm-hmm. It's it's something that holds the idea together. Yeah, and it's and like you, we use the word ephemeral a lot around here, but it yeah. is ephemeral because it's not ephemeral in that some of these things decompose and break down. Some of these pods will last for years, but it's yeah. but they change. Everything changes. They acquire that patina of yeah. biofilm. They look differently. They get redistributed by you know our clumsiness in the aquarium, the fish, you know, picking it up and physically moving it. Um, so they move around, but they have a they have a life cycle in the in the system themselves, and then leaves when they ultimately break down and become detritus. They're still part of the system, but you're constantly adding new ones and replenishing it. It's a process, right? So you're mimicking process, you're mimicking evolution, at the same time letting nature do sort of some of the call some of the shots. So it's like interesting dichotomy. It, it is very it is very interesting, um, and that's what I think makes it so enjoyable. Uh, you know, there you can get so many things out of it. Um, you know, the appreciation doesn't stop at just the aesthetic. There's, there's so many other elements to it, uh, where, you know, just watching something, uh, grow and age. Um, and I think, I think those are, again, we say, you know, things are synonymous with one another, you know, growing and aging, we kind of think of them as the same thing. Like, Oh, things grow up. They're like, right. we want to cultivate and, and rear and, and grow plants wow, and this and, and this. Right. And, and, you know, we want to do that. But at the same time, there's something really beautiful in things decaying and breaking down. Yeah. And that's a part of, of life. It's something that's very natural. It's something that we should embrace. And, um, you know, I think it's very healthy to embrace um, that part of it. Yeah. The, the, the Again, going, I always seem to find myself going back to Amano, even though I'm not like a disciple of his. But he always talked about uh, uh, wabi-sabi, right, which is embracing the transience of things. Uh, and he was always fascinated by like that cracked pot that's getting covered in moss and sitting in the garden or the, the weeds growing. I loved his photos of that. And I'm like, I kind of know what he was thinking. Like, that's the same beauty that kind of those of us that are into yeah. the sea is like that, that leaf that's getting covered or broken down. It, 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 right. Well, and that's, there. that's another part of embracing, uh, environments is I think embracing them for what they truly are. And so, you know, we hear the words wabi-sabi, which most people probably haven't read too deeply into wabi-sabi right. or understanding the origins of, of like traditional tea ceremonies, right. and, uh, why those things came about. But, um, that could be a history lesson in itself and we won't dig into that totally now or I, I you know, <laughs> encourage could, but, you to go do yeah, it. Yeah, go, go research. Um, it's, um, you know, the thing that I see, so, you know, I, I do have a gripe, I guess, right now. Oh, um, I, a gripe. I, I, you know, so it, it takes some time, but eventually... We were you, talking you, about that now. It, Once percolated up, here's John's yeah, gripe so, of the day. So I have a gripe now. Bonus. Is, is the, the inauthentic... Inauthenticity? In, yeah, inauthenticity. Is that a word? That yeah, sounds, and I think cool. it's it's not authentic uh, to say something and then uh, do or feel something completely different. And what I mean by that is you'll see people take the idea of wabi-sabi and put it into wabi-kusa, which is, you know, this wabi-sabi aspect of um, this wild grass, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, but they arrange the hell out of it. <laughs> and so, yeah, you know, I it's like, you. look at Kokodama. Um, you know, like traditional, like Japanese, you know, ball, moss, ball. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the poor man's sort of planter box, you know, that, that kind of concept. Uh-huh. And these things were originally, 
you know, like a, a, a maple twig uh, or like a little sapling mm-hmm. planted into a ball and there was grass growing out of it or moss growing out of it. It was a very natural thing and it wasn't manicured to hell. Mm-hmm. Now you see people uh, creating super sweet little yarn Stylized. balls around it and a succulent in the middle. And I'm like, this is, what are you, you're, you're bastardizing this. So like, why don't, mm. why don't you allow it to be what it was? Um, and this is where I go off and start complaining about people, which is, <laughs> no, this you know, is what it, we do all day around here. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, but it's embracing those things for what they are and not trying to turn it into something else because you don't understand it. There you go. And it's, it's okay to not understand something, but you right. have to appreciate what it really and truly was. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess the, my gripe is, um, stop polishing the hell out of everything. No, edit. Present yeah. it well, but stop editing nature. Life isn't a big Instagram moment. Like, oh. you know, you know, it's like kind of like that's that same thing. I see so many people doing, you, you know, you ever go somewhere or some pretty place and people are posing and, you know, doing the selfie thing to get that perfect shot for, for what reason? I get, I know we like to share, but it's like almost like we have to polish something to make it perfect. So it's this perfect moment when the reality is some of the most beautiful moments in aquariums are when you come into it one morning you're unexpected and something like a leaf falls into a weird place or something you're like oh that's awesome or or the tank's been neglected for a few days when you come back from a trip and you go i forgot how nice this little area of the tank really is or whatever it's not always the manicured set for a perfect moment thing you know and that's the thing so if you're if you're constantly curating a moment uh to be something that it's not there's never that found joy and by found joy uh you know look at bresson uh famous like a photographer um talked a lot about the the found moment and these are things where you wait for an opportunity you're fully aware of the situation or circumstance or behavior but you can't plan it Mm -hmm. you can't plan for these things to happen you can expect them maybe and you can wait and you can capture and i think it's just appreciating those moments and so if you're constantly in a state of like this this panic of of manicuring and maintaining and keeping something uh, so unnaturally organized right? that you never allow yourself to just sit back, kick up your feet and go, oh, that's interesting. Well, the thing I always laugh at, exactly, the thing I always laugh at too is like people will say, they'll go to great trouble to arrange something to look natural. And that just makes me laugh. I'm like, wait, so you're going to all this effort to simulate, to make it look natural when you could just put it in the tank, you know, in, in a way that's appealing to you and then just let nature sort of do the navigation from there. I, I've never understood that. Like, oh, Church. we trim this to make it, right? <laughs> Church. Okay. I, I don't know get <laughs> no, away, yeah, but, no, yeah. no, I'm just nodding but, my head in but agreement the, on that. It's just, to me, that's a concept that I find kind of crazy because like, I, I don't know, we set the stage. I think the best we do as a course is we set the stage and let nature, in, in our art, the best of our art is letting is setting the stage and letting nature do a lot of the heavy lifting and accepting that and understanding that's what nature wants to do and understanding why it looks the way it does because it's exploiting light, it's exploiting nutrients, whatever. This is why the, the aquascape is evolving versus constantly, like you said, trying to put the perfect moss here and the plant there. And yeah. it, it's just like that weird thing. I find that that's a good, that's a good gripe because I think that's, I think that's yeah. something we're missing collectively as a culture sometimes. We want to control everything. Well, and it and it it doesn't allow people to enjoy themselves. Yeah, and and so this this. I mean, people enjoy doing that. Well, you but, you, but, you enjoy it, but, but it's yeah. not it's not true and genuine enjoyment. It's not right. happiness. You know, no. we, we could get into you know. I mean, I, I'm not going to go down there, but you know the the idea of having to do something someone else's way to enjoy the process 
kind of defeats the whole point of enjoying yourself. You know, it's just, Deep. It, it, I mean, it yeah. is. That's um, true. Yeah, I feel like we could get into like Eckhart Tolle or something. And, <laughs> and, and really like, very you know, yeah, stuff. it's, but, um, you know, enjoy, enjoy the process for what it is. Right. And, um, you know, and be genuine to yourself and to what you're doing. That's the best thing. You, you never go wrong when you're genuine to yourself. And, and I agree. You know, yeah. that, that's not a bad gripe. That's actually sage words of wisdom, really, when you think about it. And if somebody thinks concern. your aquarium's ugly or they don't like it, you can tell them, you know, Johnny told you to shut up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because no aquariums, you could always learn from every aquarium. Like every, and you know this as a fish geek, all you people out there, when you're in, you know, when you're in like a restaurant and there's that really awful like tank with the bubbling pirate ship or whatever, you know, and, and the arowana swimming around or whatever. You're a fish person. You're going to still go to that tank and look at it because that's what you do when you're a fish hey, person. I'm a fan of the pirate ship. <laughs> there you go. The bubbling, <laughs> bubbling, bubbling ornaments ship. are cool. That's your 1950s style tank. Now, so anyway, that's good. I think we're going to wrap this one because we've covered some good ground here and this is the kind of thing that we like. If you like these kind of episodes where Johnny and I just sort of riff on an idea or if you want to tell us to shut up and make them 10 minutes instead or if they need to be longer for your Peloton workout or whatever you need – um, let us know. <laughs> we want to do this at least once a month. Johnny and I are going to get together and have these little tank side chat things. And just and please chime in. I want to know what uh, what, what percentage of uh, our our listeners actually owns a Peloton. <laughs> yeah, so all all one of you, please yeah, chime please in let and us let know. know. Yeah, I, I had to say Peloton, didn't I? Um, yeah. So please do. Just let us know how we can improve this. If you have any questions, if you have a topic for us to chew on the next time, um, maybe we'll make this a little more interactive in the future. But Anyway, thanks for spending a larger part of your day with me. And Johnny, look forward to seeing you on the next installment of The Tint.